First reading for the seventh Sunday of Easter comes from Acts chapter 1, verses 12 through 36, 26. Sorry. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. All those with one accord were, de- were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and, and Mary the mother of Jesus and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers, the company of persons was in all about 120, and said, Brothers, the scriptures had to be the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man bought a field with the, with the reward of his wickedness, and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle, and all his bellow his, and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, so that the field was called in their own language, Alkadama, that is, field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, May this camp become desolate, and let there be no one to dwell in it. And let another take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us. One of these men must become with us a witness to his resurrection. And they put forward two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them, and the lot fell on Matthias. And he was numbered with the eleven apostles. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle reading comes from 1 Peter, starting in chapter 4 and finishing in chapter 5. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, that will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel. What will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to, God, uh, according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. In chapter 5, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, 
so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Gospel according to St. John, the 17th chapter. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all flesh, to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything that you have given me is from you. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. 
My dear Christian friends, St. <clears throat> Peter, the Apostle, writes these words to Christians in every early church. He writes it uh, not long um, after Jesus is crucified, maybe 30 years, something like that, 35 years after Jesus is crucified, risen, ascended. And he writes it, so we call that the very early church actually, he writes his letter to people, Christians, who are suffering in very difficult circumstances. He says, therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator. And I want us, as we study these words, I want us to realize that he's not just writing to the early church. He's writing to you and to me as well. He didn't begin the letter to the faithful saints at University Hills Lutheran Church, but it is the Holy Spirit who inspired all of the scriptures and made sure that these scriptures were kept, were preserved, were passed on, passed down to you and to me, knowing that the words in them, God's words, are going to be for all time, not just for any specific time period. So when we read the words of St. Peter or St. Paul or St. John or any of the writers, we know that these are words from God, and God wants us to know that, wants us to know that these words are written for our benefit, for our instruction, and for our comfort. And so when St. Peter writes, therefore let those who suffer, he's not just talking to the early church undergoing persecution, he's talking to you and to me today, just as he was talking to the Christians in Rome in 60 or 65 AD, that's when he wrote this letter. Of course, in that day, the Christians were under persecution. They had been dispersed throughout the Roman world, throughout the Mediterranean world there, because of the persecutions that were going on. It's probable that the faith that exists in your heart is a result of that dispersion, of those Christians being forced out of Jerusalem, forced to go out. After Pentecost, of course, Jesus says, remain here in the city until you're clothed with power. That's Pentecost. That's next Sunday. After that, persecutions arise and the Christians are forced out. The message is forced out into the world. This last Thursday I mentioned was Ascension Day. That's 40 days after his resurrection. And uh, Jesus um, remained physically with the disciples on earth, not just the 11, but with about 120, we read today. Uh, he remained with them for a period of those 40 days. He met with them. He ate with them. He talked with them. They touched and handled him. Uh, the, the scriptures here say, uh, the witnesses say that he demonstrated over and over again that he had actually physically risen from the dead. They were certain of it. It was beyond a shadow of a doubt. And then he ascended visibly. It didn't just be that he didn't come to them anymore and where is he? But they saw him ascend into heaven back to the throne room of God as we talked about earlier. But before he ascended, he made sure that he told his disciples to go out 
into all the world to teach, to preach, to baptize in his name. The good news of Jesus has always and will always be for the entire world, not just for those in Jerusalem or Rome, the Mediterranean world, or even University Hills. It's hope and it's life for sinners everywhere. And so Peter writes these words to you gathered here today. And Peter says, let those Christians who suffer... And I think that we can say that Peter was talking in general about those who suffer for the faith, those who are going to be or who were undergoing persecution for the confession of Jesus Christ as Lord. And you and I, we may experience a minute fraction of what those early Christians suffered. Maybe as our own culture turns more and more hostile toward Christianity, toward a, a faith that is exclusive in its claims about how you get to heaven, about who Jesus is, about what he taught, the fact that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that no other, no other door, no other way exists for people to come to God except faith in Jesus, Jesus who died to forgive sins, who rose from the death, from death, who conquered the devil and sin and hell, that judgment is coming for sin, that there is objective truth, that the Bible is God's word. There is going to be more and more persecution for that. Maybe we will experience a little bit of what those early Christians experienced. Maybe not. We might call it kind of soft persecution here. Maybe we experience some soft Persecution from family members, people that we know, hey, we're just not going to bring up anything religious with them because we don't want to get into it. Conversations around faith in Jesus maybe aren't welcome, maybe in our workplace or other places, downright uncomfortable or inflammatory. But there's more suffering that comes to the people of God than just persecution for the faith. There's the constant suffering, the groaning that we undergo being sinners in a sinful, broken world. Illness, disease, these are, uh, uh, these are uh, things that come to us because of the fall. Maybe it's for a brief time, maybe it's not. Maybe it's ongoing, chronic. Maybe it's loneliness that we suffer. Many of us have lost a, a husband or a wife, or perhaps a child, parents, grandparents, somebody that was near and dear to us, and it hurts us. We still grieve for that. Maybe years and years later, there's kind of a, a hole in our heart where that person was. Maybe you're suffering with a difficult relationship, Maybe a family member or a friend, some friendship that's changed. Maybe it's finances, how to pay the medical bills or something, how to fund your retirement. There are any number of ways that we might suffer in this life that suffering comes to us 
in this life under the sun, as Solomon would call it. And Peter writes, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. According to God's will. <laughs> we don't want to think of our suffering as being part of God's will. Why would God want me to suffer? And yet in the Lord's Prayer we say, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in the explanation to that, Martin Luther makes it clear that God's will is done. Right? That's what we say. The good and gracious will of God is done even without our prayers. But we pray in this petition that it would be done among us also. We are praying that God's will would be done to us. And then when God's will is done to us, how often do we complain about it? Wish he hadn't done it. <laughs> Does God's good and gracious will include your suffering and your struggles, your pain, your loneliness? Is this God's good will for you? Well, many of the Christians to whom Peter initially wrote would undergo great persecution for their pain. Some of them would be killed, martyred, we say, in horrific ways. And we've talked about those things before. You can picture some of the ways that the early Christians died for the faith. And we could ask that same question of them. Was that God's good and gracious will? That they would be burned alive to light Nero's garden? That they would be wrapped up in animal skins and have wild dogs or lions set upon them in the arena? Is that God's good and gracious will? I think we'd have to say that it was. Jesus said, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. He said, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. We don't hear stories of saints going to their death complaining about it. I, don't, I haven't heard one story like that. One story of, a, of a, an early Christian who was wrapped up in animal skins and had lions set upon them and they threw off the skins and said, I can't take it anymore. I'm done with this religion or something like that. Rather, what we hear is that they commend their souls to God in faith as they are dying. Some even rejoice, right? Many rejoice that they are counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. There's a story about a, a church in China, and I, I am sure that I've shared it with you before. This happened now a few years ago. The police in China uh, were in a certain area conducting raids on underground churches. Uh, they call them unregistered churches. You see, you should register your church, and then we will send somebody to sit in your church and to hear what you do and what you say and to make sure that you're not against the government. And if you're saying things that we don't like, we'll shut you down. So a registered church is not a real church, necessarily. It's not preaching the gospel of Jesus in its purity. So they were undergoing these raids on 
uh, unregistered churches. They, they uh, shut down the school and the seminary that this one church was operating. They arrested more than a hundred of the members, including an elder named Lee. But Lee, before his arrest, he knew it was going to happen, but before his arrest, he wrote a letter to the members of the congregation. And in that letter, he said, Thank the Lord. Just as the year 2018 is about to end, God has given us a reward in the form of this large-scale persecution that arrived on December 9th. And then he instructed the church, these members, how they were to act, how they were to receive this persecution, this fiery trial. And he quotes St. Peter's words that, that he writes to us today. Rejoice, he says, insofar as you share Christ's suffering. He says, thank the Lord for being with us in this trial. Thank the Lord for cultivating us according to his true word. Thank the Lord for training us through these days of hardship. Thank the Lord for sculpting us through today's persecution. May the Lord give us great joy and true hope and make us strong through reliance on him. This appeared in the voice of the martyrs. That's the attitude that the uh, apostles have as they go to, de to their deaths. That's the attitude that uh, many of the early Christians had as they are martyred for the faith. And that's the attitude that God wants us to have, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your forbearance be known. Right? The way that the Christian deals with suffering is a great witness to the world. Because there's something far beyond us we know. There's something coming far greater than this world. This world with its troubles, its ills, its sufferings and trials, its persecution. This world is passing away. And there's a greater world coming and it's everlasting. That changes how you look at the sufferings and trials that come to us in this world. So there are many kinds of suffering, some due to persecution, others just a result of living in a world that's broken by sin. But in, in, all, in all of it, Peter encourages us who believe that Jesus died and rose, who believe that we are saved by grace through him, who believe that this world is passing away, that the new heavens and the new earth and the eternal life with God are just over the horizon. Peter encourages us to entrust our souls to a faithful creator. Put yourself and your sufferings in the palm of the one whose hand was nailed to the cross, who bears that nail scar. Those are good hands to put yourself into. Place your burdens on the shoulders of the God who, bear, who bore that burden of sin for you. <laughs> Peter says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. He cares for you. God is God, and we are not. 
Isaiah 55 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Entrust your souls to a faithful creator. That's God, of course. God is the creator. He is all-powerful. He can do anything. He knows all things. He knows your suffering. He knows what is good and best and right for you. And that's a difficult thing for us to accept because we want to be in God's place. We, want to, we look at something we say, this is bad. There's no way this is good. Why? Because it's hurting me. Right? Our viewpoint is so limited. God's is so vast. One day when we're in heaven, we'll see with different eyes. Then we'll see clearly as through a glass, right? Instead of dimly in this old mirror that they used to have, polished steel or something. He promises, you know, not to give you something more than what you can bear. Not to tempt you beyond your limits. And there is temptation in suffering. I think that's part of what Peter writes to us today, too. There's the temptation to cut ourselves off from God. We think we're punishing God when we do that. We get angry with Him. We lay the blame at His feet. We say, if this is how you're going to treat me, then I'm going to have nothing to do with you. I won't believe in a God who would do this to me or to somebody else. But Peter reminds us, be sober-minded, be, sober be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. It's good to hear stories of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who are being persecuted in ways that we can't even imagine and still are faithful to God, still are joyful in their salvation. You know, the, I want you to kind of get an image in your mind of, of sheep following a shepherd. Because that's what we're doing. We're sheep and we're following our shepherd. And you imagine that this shepherd is leading his flock through some very treacherous territory. Maybe here in the Rocky Mountains you think of a, a steep path. Uh, maybe it's uh, difficult to keep your footing in that and you're following that shepherd. And sometimes it seems like that shepherd is taking you right over a cliff. Right? But then you get to the edge and you look down and you see... There's a little path here, winding its way across, and you follow that shepherd there. And the temptation comes to us as his sheep that, you know what, I don't think I want to follow this shepherd anymore. I don't like where he's leading me. I, I'm sure I could do better on my own. Uh, that looks like better pasture land over there. I think maybe I'll go that way. I see off on that hillside some green grass. I'm going to go that way. I'm going I'm to go to that grass. Forget about this guy and where he's taking me. It wouldn't be a good thing, would it? And the sheep that do that, they get into trouble. They may lose their life. They may go off a precipice. I 
We want something tangible. We want something sure, something we can touch and grab and put in our safe at home or in the bank. We want something that we can see, something that we can smell, taste, or hear. We want something like that to be our surety, not just a promise from some God in some book that was written 2,000 years ago. And yet, the Holy Spirit has worked in your heart and given you faith to believe, to believe the promise, to hold on to it as sure, as sure as, <laughs> more sure than anything in this world which is passing away. The shepherd is teaching us. He's teaching us simply to follow him, to put our trust in him even in times of suffering. Put your faith in God alone, not in anything around you, not even in yourself, but wholly and only in God. Our trials, our sufferings, which may grow to include physical suffering for the faith, persecution, these trials they may last a few days, they may go on for years, they may last your whole life here on earth. But Peter, who by the way was one of those martyred, right? He was martyred a few, fa a few years after he wrote this letter. Crucified, right? Upside down by his request. If you're going to crucify me, do it upside down. I don't want to die the way my Lord died. And they did. They crucified him upside down. That had to be a horrific death. Over a period of days, probably. Peter reminds us that all who followed the crucified and risen and ascended Lord Jesus should view these sufferings, these trials, in light of the eternal glory that Jesus has purchased by his blood. May the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ Jesus, himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen.